0: This is the Improve Photography Podcast, episode number 176. This episode is brought to you by Squarespace. Whether you need a landing page, a beautiful gallery, a professional blog, or a photography online store, it's all included with your Squarespace website. Start your free trial today at squarespace.com and enter offer code IMPROVE to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, set your website apart. All right. Um, today we have a ton to talk about. There are some cool questions that have come in on the Improved Photography community page uh, that we want to go through. And uh, Sandy is going to talk a little bit about tips for tethering your camera. Um, and I have a beautiful poem to share with <laughs> all of you. <laughs> uh, but we want to welcome Zelda Johns onto the podcast for the first time. Hey, Zelda. Hey. Well, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself in a couple sentences just to uh, introduce yourself to those who don't know you.
1: Sure, um, so I am what I guess most people would call an MWAC. I'm a mom with a camera, and I occasionally <laughs> I like to heard ma- that. <laughs> you've never heard that I think it's been kind of a derogatory term, but I embrace it, and um, I occasionally like to masquerade around as a professional photographer sometimes.
0: <laughs> well, very cool. And you're in Atlanta, is that right?
1: I am yes, representing Atlanta, the South Georgia a, yeah, what's that?
0: But you don't have the southern accent. Yes,
1: yes so that's that exactly what I was going to say. Oh, yeah, my non, uh, what's it called? Uh, whatever, non-southern accent. <laughs>
0: <laughs> All right. The first question for today comes from Justin Zafaris, who um, wants to talk a little bit about battery packs for speed light. Um He's using the YN568 Um and he's wondering if he needs either just a battery charger for, for um for rechargeables, or if you should start using a battery pack. I don't use battery packs, um, hardly at all. Um, I I have a couple, uh, but I, I usually don't like things dangling off the speed light and and putting them on, and putting them on together. the The whole purpose of speed lights for me is about simplicity. It's like just check rechargeable batteries in there and just shoot. And then when they're done, you put new ones in there. I don't like extra things on my on my flash, mm-hmm. uh, which is why I I switched to the YN560 version four that has the built-in receiver. Um do, you, do either of you guys use battery packs? It certainly it can be helpful.
2: I've been giving it a lot of thought recently. <laughs> um, we use it at the studio that I work um, at, and it did kind of look funny at first because the ones that they have, they have a little pack that hooks to your belt. And then the cord goes, and so it's it's like a super duper battery pack. And then you know, me changing batteries, I think like okay, I could uh, you know justify looking stupid if it's gonna <laughs> save me some time. <laughs> but I thought it looked really <laughs> cheesy at first. So there's definitely there's different levels of it. I I assume.
1: I do not use battery packs. Um, I do portrait shoots, and I've shot some weddings. And just like you, Jim, I cannot even imagine the hassle of trying to deal with things dangling off of my speed lights. I'd rather just – I have an assistant occasionally, and I'll use him to change up batteries if I need him to.
0: Yeah, the, the real benefit of using a battery pack is that recycle time. You can go pop, pop, pop faster, and you don't have to wait for the flash Um, But I find that that's usually a problem when you're getting one flash on higher power. You know, we have one over one full power on the flash, or even half power. It's going to take two or three seconds to get ready to recycle and, and to take the next shot. To avoid that, I usually just use more than one speed light, so I'll have two speed lights on a third power. Um, to to get more power out of it and then i can get the fast refresh time but i don't have to have the external battery pack and plugging things in you're right Um, it it also adds some complexity to have just multiple flashes but i have a nice tri-flash bracket um maybe that should be my doodad actually this week. but a nice tri-flash bracket so it's just really easy to pop one on there uh pop an extra flash on and then you get that fast recycle time
2: honestly there's so many different ways to do it you know to achieve the same goal Whatever works for that photographer, I'd say try it.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I uh, I've been tossing around the idea of getting that triple flash bracket um, for location shoots, and I find that even when I'm at weddings and receptions and um, in dark venues, I don't have to use my flashes at full power, so the recycle time has not been an issue for me.
0: All right, the next question comes from Janet Shill, um, who says, "Should I go full frame with a D750?" Or a crop sensor, but a brand new body, the Nikon D500, um, that has a higher ISO and faster focusing. Um, and she's shooting nature, wildlife, and landscape. So, D750 or D500. Um, I, let's go round dropping on this one, see what you guys think. I... Um, and maybe the answer is I don't care. <laughs> but, um, for me personally, I would choose the D500. Yeah. I love crop sensor. I think there are huge advantages to crop sensor. I prefer a crop sensor when we're talking about for, about nature photography. You know, if we're doing landscape and wildlife, I think there there are big advantages to having a crop sensor because we get greater depth of field and when we're talking about wildlife photography, we get extra reach on our lenses, both of which are pretty nice benefits. So for me, that would be the choice if it were if she were a portrait photographer, I'd probably say the D750. What do you guys think?
1: Well, I'm curious as to what the reason was she was tossing around either crop sensor versus full frame. Is it like a budget issue or is it, I don't know what, I guess I need more information.
0: Yeah. Sandy, yeah. any thoughts?
1: Well, I have the D750
2: and I love it. And I mean, I don't, I, I considered the D500 at first, but I mean, I don't, you know, I really don't, I think either one will work fine. I think, Um, you know, we've talked about this uh, a lot and we keep going back and forth between crop crop sensor and you know full frame i think either one would be amazing (laughs) well i think
0: you're right maybe the real answer here is go to amazon buy yourself one of those nice little magic eight balls that you used to (laughs) use when you're a kid (laughs) and shake it up and let it let it decide i mean that'd be fun because really i mean you're right sandy i mean it what does it matter right a d750 or d500 they're both extremely capable cameras both of them have advantages and disadvantages for this situation. It's gonna be personal preference, and that's why she's asking like all of us when you're buying a new camera, you just wanna know all the different things. That's a ton of money, and so you wanna make sure you're gonna be happy with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but y- you could probably go with the Magic 8-Ball. Jim, be
2: Jim, you might be able to answer this. The one thing that I really love about the D750 as well, and if I was doing landscapes or something outdoors, it'd probably be used a lot more, but um, I liked that it had the time-lapse built in. Does that have that on the, the 500?
0: I haven't had my hands on a Nikon D500 yet, but most all Nikon bodies other than the the very basic ones will have that interval timer, okay. and so it shouldn't be a problem. I, 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 would bet, I will bet you my left arm that it has it. Yeah. I mean, I'll just lop it right off if I'm wrong. I think it has it. So back
2: to my original statement, either one will be great.
0: <laughs> That's right, magic yeah. eight ball. I'm telling you, this is going to be great.
1: <laughs> does the d five hundred have the articulating screen like the seven fifty does? Because I think yes. that would make it it does. okay.
2: yeah. so yes, um,
0: it does have the articulating screen.
2: I think it's okay. even um touch screen, isn't it, on the d five hundred?
0: Mm. yes, i I want to say that it is touch screen. Yep, it is touch screen,
2: and the d seven fifty is not, although I, I I haven't missed it. so
0: but these are this is a tilty screen. It's not fully articulating. Um, oh, right. it'd be nice if it were fully articulating. And that's something that I use a lot, uh, cause I'm recording tutorials for you guys while I'm out on location. And so I want to turn it around in selfie mode so I can actually see myself when I'm, when I'm doing the video <laughs> and I can't. Nothing. So it's like, uh, it's the worst, the worst if you're, I mean, yeah, if you're in that situation. Well, All I right, know the next... that,
1: I'm sorry. Um, I know that with the, uh, with people talking about full frame cameras, it. They always talk about how heavy they are, and I also own the D750, and I gotta say, it is super light. My lenses are heavier than the actual camera body itself, so if that's an issue regarding, you know, taking it out in nature and wildlife and landscapes and stuff, that the weight of the ca- camera body, I don't think that's a thing with the 750 what do you think that's a
0: good point it's a lot lighter than the you know the d810 that's a much heavier chunkier body i like the d750
2: right if she's doing nature and wildlife and landscapes and she's using a tripod i mean i just get a bicep workout i guess
0: (laughs) sandy's pretty sure that you should go with the magic eight ball
2: (laughs) but i love my d750 i can say that for sure
0: I love mine as All well. All right, Brian Pex says when he's shooting small children, he's noticed that a normal light stand is too tall um, for for shooting the kids. That the light's just a little bit too high, coming above them. Um, so he's wondering if we had any any tips uh, for that. I don't know if you got if this is something you guys have faced, but I have found this as well. That if you use a, a light stand even on the lowest one, it just puts the light kind of in a weird spot, too high for the kids. <laughs> and so usually what I'll do is scoot the light stand back exactly. uh, so that we don't have those heavy those heavy shadows under the chin and things like that now when you do that it's going to um, it's going to make the light a little bit harder so that's usually not a great option um, but in this situation I think it's just easiest I mean you could uh, you could get the light stand and like lay it on the ground and, and things like that or have somebody just hold it at the right height uh, but sometimes I'll, I'll just scoot it back so it fills in the shadows for kids
1: mm-hmm. you know what I have done in the past which is it might be a little bit more complicated, but um, I took a a five-in-one reflector and I took all the you know the coverings off and I just had the screen and then I put a um, a Magmod sphere on it so that it was shooting through the 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 flash was shooting through the Magmod sphere and then it was also going through the diffuser panel and that created a nice soft light. So you can control the height that way, but you obviously need somebody to hold that for you.
0: Yeah, a lot easier if you have somebody holding it, especially with kids because they're going to move around. Right. You know, it, it's tough to get them just in the exact right spot. And mm-hmm. so for kids, having somebody to hold the flash is is a lot easier.
2: Mm-hmm. I don't know how it became a part of my arsenal, but I have this super short light stand um, that I've used in the past, but you're still limited by the light modifier. So I, I tried it with a softbox that was too tall for the light stand. Um, And then I just switched to an umbrella and it was fine. So they do make shorter light stands.
0: I think I'm going to start calling my photo gear an arsenal as well. I like that. (laughs) Well, Sandy, you wanted to talk a little bit about tethering today. Um, tethering is when you're connecting your camera to a laptop or a desktop uh, with a cord usually, or I guess you could do it wirelessly too, but it's usually with a cord. Mm-hmm. And then you can see the photos big on the screen right as you take them and start making edits. So what what kind of situations are you using tethering in?
2: So um, since I do primarily uh, commer- or, yeah, commercial, so product photography and with studio lighting and it's controlled, um, I, we have a cart and I have my laptop on the cart and I can move it around. Um, and it doesn't have to be a fancy cart um, by any means. But I think I got one at Home Depot for $30. And, it was, and it's amazing. And um, what this allows you to do is actually make sure that your photos are in sharp focus. Um, but it can be intimidating at first, especially, um, you know, like if you're working with a client. You know, like I feel that we, we liked to keep our LCD screen, you know, to ourselves sometimes and be like oh don't let them see that one um but I since I you know kind of bit the bullet and just decided to to strictly do tethering if I can um it's it's actually helped a lot and it and it hasn't been a problem you know nobody's said you know I don't I don't trust you anymore <laughs> you know because you overexposed that when I just you know move along but um it helps especially with like headshots or anything, um, primarily with women I found, because you might think that the photo looks great, but they'll look at it on the computer screen right then and there and say, oh no, I'd rather t- turn my head this way or something like that. And I would rather them tell me then, than after I deliver the photos and find out that they don't like them. Does that make sense?
0: yeah, yeah oh. totally does <laughs> I, I completely agree with that I know a lot of people don't like showing the clients the uh-huh. photos because they feel like oh they'll see them before it's edited and think it's not going to be very good It's it's, but it's scary that's, and I that's get the it. photographer that's the photographer yeah. worrying about their work mm-hmm. and not having confidence that yes I'm going to deliver good photos to you right. um, and and it's not really thinking about the client that exactly. uh, they're going to have a lot of weird personal preferences like I don't like it when you show the side of my face that has the mole or <laughs> or. I have a flyaway hair or whatever tiny, you know, my smile looks smirky, you know, whatever, just little things that they don't like about themselves. The shoot is about them. And so I think giving them that opportunity is important. It would be like as if you didn't look at your LCD the, the the whole time because you're like, oh, I might not like looking at the picture during the shoot, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like it's like that for them. If they don't get to see themselves, uh, then they can't make adjustments either. I and think that's a good point.
2: I found that it helped loosen them up a little bit too, because when you're in front of the camera and you're so stiff, but then once you see what you're doing, it, you know we joke around and we laugh a lot. And then another way to kind of negate that anxiety is if you are able to set up your, um, your system beforehand, even if you're using natural light, just whatever your light scenario is going to be, set it up and then have a stand-in, just somebody to stand in and make sure that your settings are correct and then you can use the gray card um and and do the eyedropper to make sure that your temperature and your tint is uh perfect so that the photos are you know a little you just it just it just helps i really like it a lot um and then i use tether tools it's um i'm sure if you if you google tether tools you will able see it but they have because uh, the other scary part about it for me is i'm really clumsy and um <laughs> having having a cord Going from my very expensive camera to my very expensive computer, like the two things that I care about most in the world, um, where I could trip over it, is really scary to me. So uh, Tether Tools has saved me more than once because they have these, um, they're called jerk
0: stoppers, and that's basically a quick... How does it work? I don't get it. Mm -hmm. I've looked at these devices before, and it looked like it's going to tip my camera over. Mm
2: -hmm. And one time it, it, it didn't work as it was supposed to, and it did fail. But it's supposed to save your ports... On both your camera and your computer first, um, and it does have. They do have quick release ones that just that just come right apart.
0: Okay, so so describe it. Describe it as if I'm an idiot because I kind of am. <laughs> okay. Um, so, how exactly does this thing work? So, so it's, it's a cord that it's a like this attachment that's going from uh, like. Three inches up the cord uh-huh. to uh, the camera, and it's tied on to the camera. I, how does it help though? I don't get that.
2: So it has a quick release. So this part will release. Like, It really does help. And then they actually have these new ones that I want to get, um, that you, that just releases completely, which would be a lot better. Cause you're right. This one doesn't work all the time, but it, the main thing is to save your ports because if, if your port gets bent out of the camera, you know, like right. you over it and then that's going to be a really expensive fix.
0: Okay, that makes sense. That's pretty cool. And so, I, when you hear that click or when you see that you've pulled it, then the hope is you'd stop.
2: Well, yeah, usually, but um, I've actually had uh, people come into the studio and trip over it and it and it actually works as it's supposed to because your your tripod is usually weighted down too, so it's not going to be that easy to tip over. So it, okay, it, it, I see. I know that's silly, like me trying to pull it apart, but it, it, it is a lot stronger than I am apparently. <laughs> <the
0: tripod>. <laughs> <laughs> that's cool. That looks like a cool device. I, I've heard of people talking about them, but I just never quite got it, so I never bought one. So I think that makes sense to me. That's that's pretty cool. I think I better get one of these.
2: Yeah, one time, one time though, my camera did go flying, and luckily it was fine, but it was, yeah, very scary. But it's still better than nothing at all, and I am going to get that that uh, the better one soon. Um, and then as far as systems to tether to, I have... I haven't had great luck with Lightroom. I um it I feel like when I'm just testing it at home, it works fine and it's really fast, but then when I when I need it to work fast um with a client, it doesn't, it lags. Um, and I and I think that's just Murphy's law. But um, I use a system called Capture One. It's very very mm-hmm. similar to Lightroom. It's about fifteen dollars a month, but you get the first three thirty days for free, and it's really quick. A lot of commercial photographers swear by it, um, and and I don't think I could go back to using Lightroom since since I've started. Wow, well
1: I yep, appreciate you. That's cool. You should- I'm sorry I appreciate you sharing that about tethering because I am completely intimidated by the whole thought of it and I didn't even realize there were such things as well and I'm a very clumsy person too it would not (laughs) even occur to me that I need to try to figure out some way to keep my stuff from falling over until I run into it and it falls over.
2: I feel like it's a prerequisite to be a photographer that you have to be clumsy.
1: (laughs) (laughs) A little awkward.
2: (laughs) Yeah exactly.
0: (laughs) Anyway sorry. Well, I tested Capture One a few months ago. Mm -hmm. This is right before uh, Capture One 9 came out. Um, And my impression of Capture One is it's, first of all, very competitive to Lightroom. Mm -hmm. Um, There's not really anything you can do in Lightroom that you can't do in Capture One. Mm -hmm. There are maybe a couple little things. But there are some things in Capture One that you can't do in Lightroom. Uh, It does seem to import and browse through photos much, much, much faster, Mm -hmm. uh, which I definitely liked. Some of the things in there I think were a little bit of gimmicks where it just called things multiple names, um, but it was really the exact same thing as Lightroom. They just gave you a million settings. I definitely think it was more confusing to learn uh, than Lightroom is. Um, and you'll have fewer training resources with it. But uh, mm-hmm. it definitely shows a lot of promise. And could I eventually see myself switching at some time? Maybe. I, I think it, it. I maybe could could uh, could see myself doing that at some time. Uh, there, there are some neat features about it, especially the color grading. Yeah. Uh, but right now, I'm still just putting my faith in Adobe. I'm still thinking <laughs> it's coming. Lightroom's going to fix this. We're going to get the speed under control. And once the speed's under control the advantage to me is very minimal. Um, but, uh, but we'll see.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then they, um, they just started the subscription I believe because it was too expensive for me before. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, I was kind of sad about that, but $15 a month is worth it to me because I, I literally use it every
1: day. So are there things that you use it for other than tethering? Cause you, you do use Lightroom, right? Mm-hmm. I do. Um, it's, it, it, like Jim
2: was saying, it's very, very similar to, um, to Lightroom. So no, I, if I'm not tethering, I usually don't use it, but I know some people do.
1: Yeah. I was just wondering because of the cost factor, you know, just trying to keep an eye on, there's always, um, many more things to buy into and more subscriptions to buy into and, you know, considering, um, doing tethering and you like capture one versus Lightroom. Um, I'm just wondering about the cost factor of another subscription versus something that you already have. And I didn't, you know, the cost Mm -hmm. benefit is just something that I think I know that I would weigh in.
2: Right. Yeah. I would, I would say start with Lightroom and then, um, if it looks like you're going to keep going down that route, do the 30 day uh, test trial and then see if you would want to continue.
1: Okay. makes sense.
0: So Lightroom does have tethering built in for a lot of cameras, but not all cameras. Yeah. And the way that the way that you you tether is first you're going to need the the special cord that that connects from your computer or from your computer, sorry, from your camera, whatever kind of connection you have, over to um to the computer and a USB port. So once you you plug that in, then you can go to File Tethered Capture Start Tethered Tethered Capture. And then it's going to take a little bit. Sometimes it can take like a full minute uh, Mm -hmm. and it'll connect to the camera. And a few times I thought, ah, something's wrong. And I almost stopped it. If you just wait, like sometimes it'll come. Um, And then once it's working, I've had pretty good luck with with Lightroom's tethered capture. I know a lot of people have major problems with it, but I've had pretty good luck. Maybe I've just been lucky with it. Um, But, you know, you take a picture and three or four seconds later, it's in there. And you can can make, make edits and go with it. Yeah. Very cool. Well, we have a lot more to talk about today, but before we do that, we want to take a second and thank two sponsors that have helped to make the Improved Photography Podcast possible. And the first one is Squarespace. Squarespace is the company that I use for my photography portfolio website. Uh, they uh, host my photography portfolio. They make the design of it and uh, make it really, really easy to update with um with, with new pictures. So, if you want to get an idea of what a photography, uh, what a Squarespace portfolio website might look like for a photographer, go to my photography portfolio at Square, or uh, sorry, it's at photographyidaho.com. That's photographyidaho.com. And uh, there you can see just one of the templates. They have a bunch of different templates that you can look at. Uh, or that you can put on your website, and it takes just like a couple minutes just to to make the change of what uh, what you want it to to look like. The reason that I went with Squarespace uh, before they were ever a sponsor of the website is that they have big full screen photos. That was the most important thing to me is that I get really big photos. Uh, I tested a lot of other options that had some great features to them uh, but that's one that I felt that was missing was just it looks pretty uh, that it just looks good with big pictures um, and so that's one thing that uh, that tipped me over. Nick Page is also using Squarespace for his photography website a bunch of us are um, and it, it I, I, that, that's really what I like about it. It's also very expandable if you want to, Sell, sell prints on your website, you can do that. If you wanna sell photography workshops, you can do that. That's what Nick is doing on his Squarespace website. When you buy a, a workshop with Nick, you're using the Squarespace checkout to do that. Um, so it, it's really expandable for for that reason. There's 24 seven customer support and it's really, really inexpensive. As photographers, we were always trying to, to manage um, to, you know, manage our, our costs and, and making it profitable. And so you can get a free trial to check out Squarespace so you don't have to spend any money and then regret it later. Um, at, that's at squarespace.com and then enter offer code improve and that'll get you 10% off your first purchase. That's squarespace.com improve or squarespace.com and enter offer code improve to get 10% off and by The Great Courses Plus. I have been a customer of The Great Courses for quite some time before they were a sponsor of the podcast as well. Um, And the thing that I love about The Great Courses is that it just helps me to be able to learn new things. Uh, When I graduated college, I felt like for a while that I had kind of just kind of hovered and I just wasn't learning new things. I was just doing work. And uh, so I really wanted to just keep expanding my mind and learning about new things. Uh, It just helps me to feel like a human when I'm learning things. And so uh, I have bought some courses from The Great Courses. The whole idea behind The Great Courses is they get the industry experts, college professors on a wide range of topics. I mean, food and wine, hobby and leisure, music and fine arts, literature, philosophy, math, science, history, travel, health, nutrition, whatever you imagine, and they just do kind of a master class on, on whatever topic it is. So The Great Courses Plus is a subscription site uh, where you can get a whole bunch of different content in all of those categories, including uh, um, lessons from National Geographic photographers um, on photography. That's at thegreatcoursesplus.com slash improve. That's thegreatcoursesplus.com slash improve. Sign up today for a free one month trial. Um, and and uh, that's at thegreatcoursesplus.com/improve, and we thank them for their support of the podcast. Thanks. Well, uh, Zelda, I think you and I wanted to talk a little bit about something kind of on the same vein, okay. about kind of what is holding us back in photography. So I'm going to let you uh, get started. And then I want to add a beautiful, beautiful poem. I am not one for poetry, but today <laughs> I have poetry to give to you. What do you have for us, Zelda? Um,
1: okay, so I my heart is... And everything in life is is about motivation and trying to help people grow. And um, I'm a teacher, so that's my full-time job. And um, obviously being a What do you teach? I teach high school music, chorus, singing. And um, so... Um, one of the things that I try to help people with is understanding that they're the only things that are holding themselves back. It's their own thinking. And, um, you know, and and everything that you're trying to do and trying to, you know, be a singer, you know, people say, I can't sing. Well, yes, you can. You just really just have to get some guidance and you have to practice and all that stuff. But um, in photography and in building my photography business, um, you know, I think we are all victims of whatever it is that we think is a weakness in our in our minds and it holds us back from doing everything that we can do and i'm going to use the example of steven schwartz Uh, do you guys know who steven schwartz is i've heard the name no
2: okay so steven
1: schwartz is the is a songwriter and he actually is the songwriter lyricist composer of the broadway musical wicked are you guys familiar with that that's where i know oh yeah 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 and so he also wrote the music for pocahontas and a whole bunch of broadway musicals and other disney um um, move me- movies, but he wrote this song, it's called forgiveness embrace. And it starts out by saying, um, you know, I'm a victim of a victim of a victim. And I think we've all felt that way. You know, we're, we're a victim of our parents who brought us up in whatever environment and they're a victim of their own parents. And so it's just this, you know, this, um, this, m- this guck that we have to deal with, um, that we're given and so what he says is that he forgives his parents for it but then the line that really struck me was is that he forgives himself for not being everything that he can be and I'm like you're Stephen Schwartz <laughs> you know you wrote wicked and um and you have grammy awards for you know for the original cast recording of Oh wait is somebody playing it Yeah did I? Did you do that, <laughs> <laughs> uh, It's a really lovely song. You'll have to hear it. Um, but then, you know, he's got Oscar awards. He's got Grammy awards, and he himself sometimes feels like a fraud. You know, he feels like I am not everything that I should be and I could be. And so, I think if if I can look at Stephen Schwartz and say you know, wow, he feels that way at the level that he's performing, then it's then I'm not alone in thinking that, you know, I'm not everything that I could be. And so, um, you know, in my own struggles, I sometimes compare myself to other photographers, as we all do, and um, I'm in a different phase of life than a lot of the photographers around here in Atlanta. You know, they're all young and they're beautiful and they relate to the brides that I want to photograph and stuff like that. They're all in that age bracket or that age range or in that demographic. And I'm a little bit outside of that maybe, but, um, I have to switch my thinking. I have to think to myself, you know, maybe I'm not that same age and maybe I'm not young and, you know, starry eyed and, you know, hopeful about the world and, you know, about to get married. And so I can't relate to a bride that way, but I bring my own strengths to, um, photography. I'm more mature and um i can relate to people i think on a deeper level because i don't have to you know just because of where i am in life i've had more experience and so i can relate to people a little bit better that way and um you know i was talking to a friend of mine and he was saying how you know when he was taking pictures of like seniors trying to um relate to them. By the end of the shoot, they're so comfortable with him that they're like, you know, jokingly flicking him off or something like that. And I'm like, well, you know, I don't have to worry about that anymore. So, you know, what I would originally think as a weakness or something that would hold me back from relating to the people that I want to photograph is actually um, a benefit. So it really is just something that you have to kind of look at. They're two sides of the same coin. You have to look at, what you think is a weakness and understand that that's a strength too, and it's your own perception of that, what you would call a weakness, and that can really propel you forward in everything that you want to do. I
0: I think think that's, that's a really good point. I don't know how many times I've put limits on my own photography. When I first started I said, well, all I have is a Canon Rebel XS. Right. I can't be a good photographer. And then all I have is a crop crop sensor D7100. If I had the full frame, I could do this. And then I get the full frame like, nah, but it's too heavy to carry around. I want a mirrorless camera. And you say, oh, but I have a full-time job. Uh, I don't have any models in my city of 2,000 people, so I can't build up a portfolio. I don't have weekends free, so I can't shoot weddings, so I can't make any money in photography. Uh, I will never be able to teach a... A workshop i can't get a following online i only have a 100 followers on, <laughs> on instagram so i can't do I can't. this or that like there are a million different ways you can justify why you're not going to succeed mm-hmm. and the more you put those in your head mm-hmm. the more likely you're you are to be right that you're not going to succeed because you've put those limits on yourself of of what it is you can do mm-hmm. uh, i think yeah. that's a great lesson i was just yeah,
1: talk- I- oh sorry go ahead go ahead sandy
2: I was just talking to a friend of mine who said that she wanted to get into lifestyle photography and she just got a, um, a DSLR and she said, but I'm not good enough. I'm not good enough to put myself out there. And, and I said, well, you're never going to be good enough then. So just do it. I mean, even if you're just doing it for free, just do it. And she's already started her own business in less than six months. And oh, she's amazing. and she's doing amazing. Yeah. Like you just got to put it out of your head. Like who cares? Just do it.
1: And yeah, <laughs> we're never good enough to begin with. We're, we're, I mean, we're all hacks to yeah. start with but you know, just the more you do it, obviously the better you get at it and the more confidence you have in yourself and the more people look at your stuff and, um, you know, kind of help you lift yourself up. But, um, you know, one of the things that, um, drives me berserko when people talk to me and I'm sure you guys have kind of similar experiences in your own, in your own way is people say, Oh, well you can do that because you have, you know, you're a teacher, you have summers off, you can build your business in the summertime. Well, that's, just not the case because I started my business. Um, well it's, you know, I've been kind of dabbling with it here and there and doing like Christmas portraits and stuff for friends, but I didn't really start going full force with my business until July last summer. And at the time I was seven months pregnant and shooting in really hot Atlanta. Um, you know, It's it's miserable when you're that pregnant and you're on the ground trying to get different perspectives. I mean, literally laying on the ground, (laughs) trying to get these wonderful creative um, perspectives and shooting people. And then, um, you know, school starts in August and by then I'm eight months pregnant. And then in nine months pregnant, I was actually booking my first two weddings Um, like my first two paid weddings, I was in the hospital, like trying to have this baby and I booked my first two (laughs) weddings. So, you know, anybody who uses the excuses of, you know, your situation is different than mine. Of course you can do it because your situation is different than mine. You just have to, if you want it badly enough, you'll push through whatever it is that's holding you back and you'll, you'll, you'll do it. You really can. You can. I always (laughs) say, I
2: always say, just get over yourself. Just get over yourself and do it. (laughs) Right.
0: Yeah. And I think part of, of finding your success in photography is finding what kind of unfair advantages you do have, because everybody has some kind of advantage on the other person. Like uh, instead of looking at th- and at someone and saying, well, you can build your business during the summer, you're a teacher, and just seeing the advantages that they have. If you really think through it, you have certain advantages over everybody else as well. Um, And by exploiting those advantages, you can find what your calling is and and, uh, really be successful in photography. For me, my unfair advantage over everybody else was I'm pretty good with with internet marketing and uh, gaining a following and blogging and that kind of thing. And so... Uh, instead of trying to be a wedding photographer where I am not very skilled, I don't enjoy it, uh, and, and trying to force myself into somebody else's advantages, I, I'm sticking to mine. Uh, my advantages is, is what I can do well on the computer and building a blog. And, uh, and aside from improved photography, I've built several other blogs with really big with really big followings, and um, and so that's my advantage, and I'm, I'm sticking to that. What I, uh, what I'm good at and it has been really helpful instead of trying to do uh, all of the other things where I I just really don't have an advantage. Um, So everybody has it. You know, maybe the advantage is you got money. And so you can spend money on workshops, on training videos, on all kinds of different things to invest into your business and have that as, as a big advantage to get started with. Maybe your advantage is time, you know, I'm recently single, uh, (laughs) if somebody, uh, not me, if someone recently (laughs) has has become single and they have a lot of time on their hands, man, you could spend a ton of time doing all kinds of shoots. Maybe your advantage is you're in college and you have a lot of beautiful friends and you can do a ton of model (laughs) shoots and it doesn't cost you a thing. But everybody has some kind of advantage uh, that you can add into your photography. And so finding those and exploiting them is the best way to find success. Definitely. Okay, I told you I was going to share a poem with you, and I'm going to. We need some, like, soothing music. Oh, I'm on it. I'm on it.
1: I can make it happen. (laughs) Oh, oh, good.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Um, So... So, Zelda was talking about, you know, kind of finding your advantage and how you can succeed in photography and not making excuses. And I kind of had a poem that has been inspirational to me. I usually don't really like poetry. I don't know why. It just doesn't really speak to me very often. Uh, but there was a poem that somebody shared with me in college, and I wanted to share with, you, uh, with it, it with you today. It is from Henry Wadsworth Longfellow. It says, The heights by great men reached and kept were not attained by sudden flight, but they, while their companions slept, were toiling upward in the night. And uh, so it's basically just saying, you know, uh, find yourself up late working hard on something instead of just kind of going to bed and, and being lazy and kind of just doing the day-to-day thing. If you are in the seat of wanting to become a professional photographer and the goal seems so far, so far away, uh, you don't get any more 9, 9 p.m. bedtimes and you don't get to wake up anymore at 8.30 in the morning. Um, you know, it, it, we all have time and we need to kind of just allocate it to the things that we want to. So if you want to become a great photographer, professional or not, um, you're going to have to put in a whole lot of blood, sweat and tears. And so last night I found myself, I have this new uh, new audio system that I'm trying to work on the audio for the podcast And, uh, it's been so frustrating to me. I'm not great at this stuff. And I had to go buy two different audio mixers and I have no idea how to use them. Of course it was a brand new model. And so I couldn't even get any help from the store. They didn't even know how to use it. And so I was up until one o'clock in the morning working on this and I was just super frustrated. Nothing was turning, turning out right. And it kind of made me think that, you know, like, those are the times that you're you're going to see the biggest jumps uh, forward in anything you try to do, especially in photography, is the times where you fail and you kind of come short and you're really just banging your head on the table because uh, <laughs> you're overcoming things that other people will turn around and quit at. Uh, so by you pushing forward, uh, you're going to have a big advantage over other people. In Improved Photography Plus, my mentoring students, we did a, a photo challenge this month And five or six of them messaged me uh, this last week and said, oh, you know, I had this idea. I've been working on it. I had a goal to do it. I went out to shoot, and it just flopped. The photo looks dumb. It just didn't turn out how I imagined. And I wrote back to all of them, and I said, you know what? You learned a lot more in this photo challenge than the other people who got lucky and had success, because those times are really where, where you see yourself moving. And if you need a little bit of, of a push that way, you need to find a new technique, something to bang your head on the table with, go to Improve Photography Plus. Uh, go get your two-week free trial and find one of the tutorials. There are dozens of hours of video training on there. Go find one that's like the thing that I know nothing about um, and go learn a new technique. Uh, be the person who's willing to stay up and, and learn and, and try new things while everybody else is sleeping and staying at the same level.
2: Or even just listening to the podcast is a really good starting point. I've had so many people ask me how to do something. I say, you know, there was a podcast about this. And I send it to them. And then two weeks later, I say, did you listen to that podcast? No, not yet. And so they say, well, all right. I can't really help you. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you got to have the drive to want it. So I think you're in the right spot just listening to the podcast. You're doing something right. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I I think the same thing as you, Sandy. Like so many times I've uh, talked with entrepreneurs who are working on blogs is another thing that I do is kind of helping other bloggers get started. Um, And so many times they'll come to me and say, oh, I just, I can't get a following. My website's just puny. I've been working on it for two years and there's only, you know, 50 people a month coming to my website. Um, What am I doing wrong? And they want me to hand them a silver bullet and I'll look at their website and they haven't written in two months oh, and when yeah. they do did, did write it was this dinky little 300 word post mostly about themselves some little opinion piece and it's like of course it's not going to work you're not putting in the time uh you know you you can't just sit there and hope the garden grows you need to actually put in the work to to get the rewards and it's tough like i'm there right now with exercise like I've I've been in good shape uh, before. I, a year and a half ago, I ran a, a full marathon, and I was in pretty good shape then. And now I'm just starting to get lazy, and I realize, okay, I've got it. Got to do something. I got to get better, and it's the same thing. Like. I, I can't just sit there and, and want it to happen. I can't read a blog post or look at skinny people on Pinterest. <laughs> and <laughs> hope it's going to come osmosis. you got to get out there and put out the hard, <laughs> unfun work if you want to get those results.
1: Yeah, everything that you want is on the other side of hard work. And I tell people all the time because they, you know, being a course teacher, obviously I'm, I have to be entertaining to my students and I you know, can sing and stuff like that. And so they're like, well, you're good at it or you're passionate about it. Well, it's not about passion. It's not about how well I sing. It's about how hard I worked to get here. And um, it's not, I tell my students this all the time and I hope this is not inappropriate, but I tell them it's not sexy. It's not It's not easy and it's not fun to be good at something. It's hard work. And the reward that you get is not in doing the work, but the reward is in, in the, Feeling the accomplishment each time you fall down and get back up again. Ooh.
0: Very good. I appreciate that. Well, in every episode, we like to share with you a doodad of the week, um, and uh, the one that I want to share with you this week is the Zhiyun Z1 Smooth C. I have no idea how, <laughs> how to pronounce that. It's Z H I Z H I Y U N Zhiyun uh, Z-Yun Z1 smooth c awesome name to this sucker Uh, this is a stabilizer for your cell phone um so i I mentioned a couple weeks ago that i tried the glide cam this is like the industry standard for professional photographers for uh for stabilizing your video as you're moving it around for handheld at least Um, and It wasn't right for me. It was a mess. And like, I I just want to like, as I'm traveling, do quick videos that look good and professional. It doesn't have to look like Hollywood. It doesn't have to look like Hollywood for me. I don't have, you know, I'm already taking pictures and I'm just doing the tutorial as a secondary thing. So I I can't, you know, set up a Hollywood shoot every time I'm I'm doing a photo shoot. Uh, I don't have a video crew following me around. And so uh, I wanted to just get good video, though, that looked good so we can use it on improved photography plus and you know looks looks professional but not Hollywood and so the iPhone takes great video it's just uh, it's just a matter of getting good audio to go with it good lighting and and smooth uh, camera movements and so this is a motorized handheld uh, gimbal based um, steady thing uh, that you <laughs> hold in one hand and it and it feels the shake in your hand and with motors it counteracts them to uh, to hold the camera steady and I watched quite a few YouTube videos on this it looks pretty darn cool it's 228 dollars that's pretty expensive for a for a stabilizer but if you're in the same spot as me that you want to do uh, some 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 motion to add to your photography uh, it looks pretty cool it's going to come in in uh, from UPS tomorrow so I haven't tested it yet uh, but it is is looking cool
1: so it's like a segue for your phone
0: that's right (laughs) it is a phone
1: All
0: right, Sandy what do you have for us my
2: doodad is so exciting are you ready for this Um, so if you want to shoot on a black background um, I thought that black paper was the way to go and I was so wrong you use a black piece of velvet and the reason that you use a black piece of velvet is because the fibers um, all go different ways and they absorb the light and you will get a
0: deep dark black Backdrop. Back backdrop. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Oh that's cool. So and does it wrinkle?
2: I mean well, I mean no. I mean and it doesn't matter anyway because it'll just be so dark anyway. So if it was wrinkled uh-huh. you wouldn't see it.
0: Oh, okay. Well, yeah. that's pretty cool. So I I used to use muslins uh, uh-huh. for for my photos, just as I'm taking pictures, mm-hmm. and I hated using uh-huh. muslins no. because they always got wrinkly in the background. Yeah. But that was with a, with a white. Yeah. Um, so I guess black it doesn't really matter. But velvet, that's a, that's a cool idea. I wonder if you could use. Let's see, velvet. So. <laughs> I'm, not, kind of I'm, I'm, I'm fabric illiterate here, Sandy. <laughs> okay, so, so velvet, velvet is that? I'm thinking. Velvet. Am I thinking of flannel or velvet?
2: Uh, you're thinking probably of flannel. Velvet is like really soft to the touch. It's fuzzy. Like it's silk. Fuzzy. And not not soft. It's got, it's got smooth. Fibers. It's got like little hairs.
0: Okay. Okay. Gray black cloth. Start got
2: it. <laughs> <laughs> got okay, it. so
1: I don't know if this will make sense to you, but on um on coming to america there's a scene where the guy is wearing a lion um fur on his like like a shawl it's like you know James Earl Jones is wearing this lion fur and this guy comes up to him and says, that's beautiful. What is that velvet? It's like that. (laughs) It's very
2: soft, plush, but it's, it's not expensive. It's, it's, it's a synthetic fabric, you know, like it, it, I'm sure at one point it was made out of animal fur, but it's not anymore. You can, you can get it. I'm not even kidding at the Walmart, uh, fabric section. You just ask for black, uh, velvet or black felt. Sorry. Or for a lion. You've got got me confused. (laughs) Velvet."
0: Okay, go to Africa, kill a rare lion, put it on a photography backdrop.
2: And you will have it. the most fabulous backdrop. Oh
0: no, now I got it. Okay, see I was I was looking, I just googled this googled coming it? to America and it was James Earl James Jones Velvet. with a lion on his shoulder. But now I found the picture. Okay, I got it. Yeah. Velvet.
2: Yeah. Okay, I, I thought you, I thought
0: you were suggesting the murder of rare animals.
2: No, it's not expensive. <laughs> you don't have to. Eat it.
1: <laughs> oh, for you to get the idea of the texture of velvet. It feels like fur. It feels like an animal's fur. <laughs> but it absorbs. Right. It absorbs the
2: light, so it'll give you a very, very, very black background. Very cool.
1: Okay, well, I'm going to change my dude out of the week. So, uh, and I'll post this in the improved photography. Facebook group. Um, I was originally going to do the YN RF 603 triggers, which I know people have done before. Um, but I found, and I'll, again, I'll post this in the Facebook group. I found that I could make a Canon body talk to a Nikon flash using these triggers. And I'll explain that later in the Facebook group. But what I actually want to do for my dude out of the week is another podcast that I listen to and it follows along the same lines that we've been talking to talking about. Um, it's the MFCEO and it MF stands for exactly what you think it would stand for. It is not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it, there are a lot of curse words in it, but it's a very much kick you in the butt kind of podcast. And, um, it took me a little while to get over the way he talks. He's from the North and, um, you know, he's got that whole tough guy, Northern thing going on. Um, but, he makes so much sense when it comes to you know trying to if you want to be an entrepreneur, it's not about passion, it's about hard work. And when you you know make excuses or when you point to somebody else and say that oh you can do this because of whatever then you're negating that other person's hard work. So I listen to it often when I'm not listening to many of the improved photography network podcasts. But um, it it helps me to stay motivated because there are no excuses. When you're owning your own business, you don't have any excuses. Nobody's chasing after you. You're in control of your own success. And this helps me stay motivated. That doodad definitely matches the theme of this episode. (laughs) It's not as gentle as Henry Henry Wadsworth Longfellow.
0: (laughs) Not as gentle. <laughs> uh well okay so maybe what we should do is everybody share a podcast that you listen to this will be our do random of the week something non-photography that you listen to uh what, what kind of podcast do, do you guys, guys listen to I love so that. We, zelda we heard your sandy how about you do you have a uh non-photography podcast that you like
2: i do i listen to the jillian michaels podcast for the same exact reason it's, it it's like motivates she just me kicked you in the
0: butt yeah, get out there and it, exercise
2: I, you fat little slob and i know she's very <laughs> controversial and some, and you either love her or hate her i'm kind of somewhere in the middle actually but her topics are very very relevant and i never like i it's motivating it's really motivating
0: very cool. Well, uh, I listen to a bunch of different podcasts, uh, but the, the one that I would recommend is called um, Planet Money from NPR. Um, I love as much story based content as possible. Uh, I, I love the, you know, This American Life, that kind of that kind of show serial I really enjoy. Um, I'm always looking for more of those. 60 Minutes is another one that I, I really like. they kind of just stories about different things. And Planet Money is a cool one. Um, it's not, I thought it would be more just like financial tips and stuff, but it's really just kind of cool um, cool stories that have something to do with finance uh, so kind of following people's lives and things and another one is life of the law uh maybe this because because uh for the law nerds out there but life of the law is pretty cool as well just kind of story-based uh content so those are the ones i'd recommend cool. I'm not oh the and only also one that listens to npr <laughs> no i like npr <laughs> They they have more than two listeners. Well, maybe it's just us. Maybe they make it just for me and you, Sandy.
1: <laughs> well, I think I'll have to listen now. Now they have three. See. <laughs> <laughs> the
0: other the other thing that I would recommend is the Overcast app. Uh, if you are listening to this podcast on an iPhone and you're using just the default podcasts app, oh, you're gonna thank me for this. Uh, just go on the on the App Store. I think it costs like three dollars. It's called Overcast. And it has some really distinct advantages over the normal podcasts app. Um, One of those advantages being smart speed. Uh, So it skips the pauses between words. Uh, In addition to being able to just speed it up, it skips the pauses between words. And I I see if I can find it right now, but it gives you stats on on how much time uh, you have saved by using uh, that feature. And it was something like 16 days of my life it has saved uh, by using the, (laughs) that that smart that smart speed feature because i listened to a ton of podcasts i can't remember exactly how long it was but it was a lot um because it's just speeding up a little bit so check out Overcast overcast on the uh app store all right, everybody, thank you for joining us for this uh, little bit random episode of the Improved Photography Podcast. There were a lot of firsts. First times we we got to have Zelda on the show. First time you hear, heard me reading poetry. We had like 15 different doodads of the week, uh, but it was a good good episode. Uh, Sandy and Zelda, it was great talking with you guys, and we will see you all in another seven days. Bye.